You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. what it is to be a Christian. Some people who even tithe to the church on a regular basis think that that makes them a Christian. Serving in the church makes you a Christian. Well, we all know that that's not the answer. That's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is a deep, committed faith to Jesus Christ, accepting His sacrifice on the cross, believing upon Him, believing into His resurrection, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Have you ever been confused in your faith? Have you ever wondered what the whole point is for seeking after God? Today, Pastor Dave wants you to know that you must never grow tired of living a life for the Lord. No matter how difficult the going gets, you are here by God's divine will to be a difference maker in His name. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 11 as he continues his message, Son of Encouragement. an encourager does. He guides people towards Christ. Barnabas saw the grace of God in their hearts. He rejoiced with them and then gently encouraged them to continue. He didn't go in there with a list of rules. Okay, Antioch, I'm going to nail this up there. You've got to follow this list of rules now that you're Christians. He didn't do that. He encouraged them to move forward in the Lord. You might be asking yourself, okay, how did he do this? Well, he had a little help. Look at the next verse. For he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Here we see the characteristics of Barnabas. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown wrote this. The sense of good here is largely, evidently, a large heart, able to rise above the narrow Jewish secularism. While in virtue of fullness of the Holy Spirit, he, he clearly discerned and he had entire sympathy with the grace of God in these Gentile converts. He had a good heart. He wanted them to succeed. He wanted them to do well. And as he was led by the Holy Spirit, He was able to do what the Holy Spirit gifted him to do. Barnabas was good because he could see past the prejudicial and the racial barriers. He could see right into a person's heart and see the grace of God at work in someone's heart. He was able to look past someone's shortcomings and give them a second, third, fourth, fifth. Lord, how many times do we forgive somebody? I mean, I forgive my neighbor seven times. Seven times 70. And if you're like me, you go, oh, that's 310. Okay. We forgive them on endless, endless times. That's what Barnabas did. Barnabas did that. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was able to see the spiritual needs of others. That's discernment. That's what discernment does. When you have spiritual discernment, you see the spiritual needs of others. When the Lord gives you discernment, you see what other people might need. You see what other people might be lacking. You see the kind of things that you can do for them through the Holy Spirit. And as it says he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was able to meet those needs by preaching and teaching. He taught with them. You know, there's an advantage of being filled with the Holy Spirit because you're never limited in your resources. You have an unlimited amount of resources at your disposal when you're full of the Holy Spirit. 
Barnabas was a man full of faith. He knew where his power and his abilities came from. He knew where to put all his eggs, so to speak. He knew where he had come. He knew that he was nothing outside of Jesus Christ. He knew that it was the power of God in him, and he had faith and confidence in Jesus Christ to do a work in those people of Antioch. And he had faith and confidence and knew that Christ that was working in him would also work in the others. And that encouragement that he gave them to continue in the Lord was probably his mantra. I'm going to continue on in the Lord. You can't encourage what you don't have. You can't encourage what you don't have. You need to be continuing in the Lord. He knew that anything he did was the Lord's doing. What I see in Barnabas, I see the epitome of scriptures, John 7, 38 that says, he who believes in me, as Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is what I see Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit. And out of his heart is flowing these rivers of living waters as he talks to these people, as he guides these people into oneness with the Lord, as he helps them. What we as a church need to do, we need to guide others along with us. We're all moving at different rates. Everybody's moving at a different pace with the Lord because the Lord is personal and he's guiding us through. We can't expect everybody to be at the same place. But we need to help others along because some people will struggle. Some people will get bogged down in certain things and they won't get forward. And we need to help them come forward in the Lord. We need to be the encouragers and say, come with us. Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. John, follow us as we follow Christ. Imitate us as we imitate Christ. That's, what the, that's encouraging. Come. See, there needs to be an action there, an action that will follow. Another commentator said, Barnabas's faith produced spiritual desire, expectation, and dependence. He had a desire to know the Lord better. He had an expectation of what the Lord was going to do, but yet he was ever dependent on the Lord to do it. He knew that in and of himself he was not going to do it. Some translations say that Barnabas exhorted them all that with purpose of heart that they should cleave to the Lord. They use the word cleave here. It says Barnabas didn't tell the um, Antioch believers that they had to cleave to the law. No, he said cleave to the Lord. Cleave to the Lord. Hang on to Jesus with everything you have. Enjoy him. Abide with him with purpose of heart. This is a resolve. I purpose in my heart to do something. It's an action. It's my decision to follow the Lord. It's my decision to cleave to the Lord. When I was doing this, a great story came to mind. It's found in Daniel 1. In Daniel 1, Daniel was carried off to Babylon. He and a bunch of the, the kids and all that. All right. And they were going to make him a servant to the king. And in order to do that, he was placed in a separate room, and they brought out all these delicacies, all these wonderful foods that he had to eat, and they had the king's wine and stuff that they had to drink. You can read this in Daniel 1. And Daniel looked at all this stuff, and they were going to make them eat it and get them used to all this stuff. Well, most of the stuff on the table, on the plate, was against the Levitical laws. It was against the law of Moses. And listen to what it says in verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel made a decision in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself with that food because it was against God. He purposed in his heart. He made a decision in his heart, and he stood by it. He stood by it, and he he was rewarded with that because the Lord strengthened them. Why did he make that decision in his mind? Why did he make that decision in his mind? I'll tell you why. Because we change our mind at the drop of a hat. 
We constantly change our mind. That's why Scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. If we purpose in our heart, it's not changed so easily. See, the Lord doesn't want our intellectual assertion. He desires heartfelt unification. That's what He wants. He wants our hearts to be entwined. This makes sense to me. I mean, after all, we do sing a song called, Open the eyes to my heart, Lord. Open the eyes to my heart. The Lord knows that my faith is not only academic. It's more than an academic. Because if it was only academic, then an academic argument could confuse me and could draw me away from the Lord. There has to be something more than just the mind. If my heart is his, my relationship is secure. In Romans 10.10, Paul says, For with the heart, man believes into righteousness. It's with the heart. So once again, we see the result of someone's faith. This time, it's an encourager's faith. Because when he came to Antioch and he began to encourage the believers, all these people came to the Lord. New believers came in. It says that many people were added to the Lord. A little encouragement goes a long, long way. You'd be surprised. But Barnabas' encouraging days were far from over. I love this guy. Because of the workload in Antioch, it became too great. He needed an assistant, someone that he could assist in the ministry. Barnabas only thought of one person, only one person that came to his mind. He is the ultimate encourager. It read in verse 25, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Why Saul? Why Saul? For one thing... In Acts 9.15, in Acts 22.21, and 26.17, Barnabas knew that Saul had a special commission from the Lord to the Gentiles. He knew that Saul was specially commissioned by the Lord. And he remembered it was Barnabas who took Saul to Jerusalem and introduced him to the apostles, and they became friends. Again, we see Barnabas, the encourager, giving Saul to Peter in a meeting that they had together. But it was Barnabas who did all that. And I'm sure while they were waiting for all this, Barnabas and Saul had a wonderful conversation about what the Lord was doing. I'm sure that Barnabas saw the evidence of God's grace in his heart, and he saw what God was doing in in Saul's life, and he wanted Saul to be his partner. I'm sure he was led by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure as as he prayed about, who shall I bring, Lord, I'm sure the Holy Spirit bidded him to go and get Saul. So Barnabas is full of the Holy Spirit, and he knew there was something special about Paul. He had discernment to tell him that. That's what the sermon does, as I said. It'll tell you something special about someone, and it helps you to encourage them to go to the Lord and do what the Lord has called them to do. That's what Barnabas is doing here. This is none other than true discipleship. This is true discipleship, coming alongside somebody, encouraging them in the faith, encouraging them in the Lord, guiding them through, introducing these doctrines and these things that we do, getting them into the Bible, getting them to seek God on their own, helping them walk forward in what God is giving them and what God has called them to do making sure that they pray, making sure that they ask God about things. The encourager doesn't come and tell the person, well, you have to do this, this, and this. The encourager comes and says, seek the Lord with all your heart, and he will show you these things. When a mature Christian comes alongside a new believer and encourages him or her in their faith, that helps them grow in the Lord and even gives them some time an opportunity to serve because as you grow in the Lord, natural growth is wanting to serve. It's It's a natural output of growing in the Lord. You want to serve. Verse 26, it says, And when he found him, when Barnabas found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. 
and the disciples were called Christians in Antioch first. The dynamic duel was formed. The original dynamic duel, I might say. Barnabas and Saul. <laughs> Hughes says of these, they complemented each other beautifully thanks to the expert orchestration of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was sensitive and gracious. Paul had a brilliantly honed, razor-sharp lawyer's intelligence. Together with the Spirit's power working through them, they were unconquerable. Barnabas and Saul. You have that relationship with somebody? You have that relationship with somebody who's just... It's such iron sharpening iron. It's, it's fantastic to be around them because you're each building up each other in the Lord and you're just walking in that oneness. It, it seems like there's an unconquerable feeling there that whatever the Lord puts his mind to do within you can't be stopped. And it's so cool to have a brother or a sister like that. It's so wonderful. These guys stayed in Antioch an entire year and they taught and they preached the word. They started a church and they discipled the entire church. It had a huge effect. Because the people of Antioch saw all these new believers running around. They saw a change in them. They looked at them, and they gave them a new name. Before it was disciples or believers, or they were part of the way, or this other stuff. They gave them a new name. They said Christian. They called them Christian first at Antioch. Pretty cool. The new name given to disciples was a result of the effectiveness of the ministry of Barnabas and Saul. Many of the people were beginning to take notice of what was happening. They were taking notice of this group that believed in Jesus Christ. There was something different about them. Everywhere they go, they spoke of Christ. The citizens of Antioch observed a new spiritual movement, and they wanted to give it a name. So they came up with the name Christian, which is simply Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah, and the Latin suffix I-A-N, which means belonging to the party of. Sounds kind of cool. Belonging to the party of the Messiah. Party on, Messiah. We belong to you. It's a wonderful name, being a Christian. But sadly, it's lost its meaning. Sadly, it's lost some of its effect. In some cases, it's being used as a derogatory term. In some places where you go and you say you're a Christian, you look down upon, and they cast disparaging eyes on you. The name of Christian has become anyone who's not, neither a Jew nor a Muslim. And we know that's far from the case because we know what it takes to be a true Christian. There's a story that Henry Ironside tells that once he was on a train and he gave a man a booklet about Jesus Christ, about the gospel, and the guy looked at him and said, what did you give me this book for? Ironside thought, I thought you might be interested. And may I ask, are you a Christian? Well, the man said indignantly, take a look at me. Do I look Jewish or do I look Chinese? Dr. Ironside said, no, you look American. And the man replied, well, there you have your answer. Some people don't know what it is to be a Christian. Some people who even tithe to the church on a regular basis think that that makes them a Christian. Serving in the church makes you a Christian. Well, we all know that that's not the answer. That's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is a deep, committed faith to Jesus Christ, accepting his sacrifice on the cross, believing upon him, believing into his resurrection, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That makes you a Christian, and that alone makes you a Christian. All the other stuff is good in and of itself, but it will not make you a Christian. Only those things make one a Christian. People say, I'm a Christian, but they balk at being the believer. They're considered cultural Christians. 
They've never experienced a committed salvation or rebirth through Jesus Christ. You know, the name Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. And one of those times, it's associated with persecution. <laughs> Aren't you happy about that? Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Ever since Stephen's death, Christians have been persecuted. Just calling yourself a Christian in some places can lead to persecution, even to death. The name of Christian is being attacked around the world, and many believers live under constant fear. But while they are living under constant fear, God's name is still being glorified. God's name is still being placed out there, and God's name is still doing a mighty work. In fact, the churches of South Korea and China, the churches that are underground because of the persecution, are growing at such a rapid rate, they can't count them all. That's what persecution does. It's like a, a stoking the flame of Christ. It glows during persecution. God is glorified. As we close this morning, I want to leave you something from a story I found in the Daily Bread. It wasn't like Scott Craigle to give up. He was a battler. He dedicated a dedicated athlete who spent hour after hour perfecting his free throw and jump shot during the hot summer months of 1987. Just before fall practice, everything changed. A serious car accident left Scott in a coma for several days. When he awoke, a long rehabilitation process lay ahead. Like most patients with closed head injuries, Scott balked at doing, at doing the slow, tedious work that was required to get him back to normal. Things like stringing beads. What junior high school would enjoy that? Tom Martin, Scott's basketball coach at the Christian school he attended, had an idea. Coach Martin told Scott that he would reserve a spot on the varsity team for him if he would cooperate with the therapist and show progress in the tasks that he was asked to do. And Tom's wife, Cindy, spent many hours with Scott, encouraging him, reading him the word of God to keep him going. Within two months, Scott was riding off the basketball court on his teammate's shoulder. He had made nine straight free throws to clinch the triple overtime league victory. It was a remarkable testimony of the power of encouragement. It has been said that spiritual encouragement is applying biblical principles to every situation with the view towards bringing the person into a right relationship with God. At times, spiritual encouragement may be harsh. Spiritual encouragement may be harsh because the person to whom you're giving the spiritual encouragement to might not want to hear the things that you are being led to say by the Lord. This may be true regardless of how gentle you might be. Sometimes as people fall from the grace of God, they don't want to hear the truth. Often we want to hear things that just make us feel better. But if you study the Word of God for a long, long time, you know there are many, many passages in there that sometimes don't make you feel better. But they do point you in the right direction. In the end, true spiritual encouragement and only true spiritual encouragement can be used by God to touch just one heart, just one soul. I want to say to you today, be encouragers. I know that some of you have this gift and you've been graced by the Lord as Barnabases. You are Barnabases. You are sons and daughters of encouragement. And the blessing be upon you, for this is a wonderful calling from God that's placed upon your heart. And let me encourage you. Find a person who is stuck in obscurity. Find that person, one who, one who is still loving the Lord but, and committed to the Word, but, but needs someone to come alongside them, someone to strengthen them in the Lord. Find such a person. 
Find such a person and encourage them today to walk and continue with a purpose of heart in the Lord. The church needs Barnabases. We need Barnabases today. We need those with a vision, those who have the eyes to see the grace of God at work in other people's lives. We need those who are willing to look at the positive and not to criticize. Those that are going to lift up the positive and downplay the negative. We need Barnabases to encourage people to cleave to the Lord with purpose of heart. One of my most favorite characters in the Bible is Joshua. Joshua had a way to encourage the believers then as they were coming into the land, all through the battles that they fought. At the end of the book of Joshua, in chapter 22 and verse 5, Joshua is about ready to say goodbye to the um, tribes of the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. You see, they didn't want to cross the Jordan. They didn't want to go into the promised land because they liked what was on this side of the river. And they chose to stay there. That's where they wanted to go. They didn't want to come in to that. God blessed them. I don't think they received all that God had for them because they didn't come into the promised land, but God still blessed them. And Joshua said to them, okay, I'll make you this deal. If you come with the rest of us and you help us do what God wants us to do and secure the land, then when it's all over, you can go back and you can have those parcels of land on the other side of the river. Well, they did that. All through the book of Joshua, the, the, the tribes of uh, Gad, the tribes of the Ruminites, and half the tribe of Manasseh helped the Israelites conquer the land. They were right there. And when it was done, when they had done what they wanted to do, not all that God wanted to do, but they, when they'd done all that they had to do, it was time for them to go back into the other land. And Joshua was heartened for them. Joshua knew what, what the land of milk and honey offered. Joshua knew that the promised land was where they needed to be. And Joshua knew that they should come with the rest of them to enjoy this beautiful land that God had given them. But he doesn't downplay them. He doesn't criticize them. He encourages them. And this is what he says in Joshua 22, verse 5. He says, but take careful heed to do the commandments and the law which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's what Joshua told those tribes. That's how Joshua set them off. What a great encourager. What a great encourager. Here the word again is used to cleave. He says, cleave to the Lord. Obey his ways. Obey his command and walk in his ways. And that's what I want to leave you today. As an encourager myself, I believe, I want to say cleave to the Lord. Cleave to him with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Cleave to him with everything you have. Read his word. Get built up in his word. Follow him. Obey his commands. Do what he's called you to do and worship him in spirit and truth. That's my cry to you today. Do that, and then you can be encouraging to others. You can start to be encouragers, and then you will be a son of encouragement. You will be a daughter of encouragement. And you will be like Barnabas, used mightily in God's hand to strengthen somebody else's walk and to keep them to moving forward in the love of the Lord. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? 
he met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.